Buzzer Podcast, all music, worldwide music started in local music scenes, underground independent unsigned talent, music you choose to hear, not the music mainstream tells you to hear. Hosted by Shay, the Buzzer Podcast is a Canadian broadcast connected to artists around the globe. Hey y'all, I am Shay, and this is the Buzzer Podcast, on-air indie, from iPad to yours, over the airways. Today on the show, Indigenous American artist Art Napoleon, known for music-infused with that spirit-tingling tribal sound in both English and the ancient language of Cree. We spin his debut release, Aveline, talk music, and get to know this talented performer, actor, and indie artist. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Enjoy the show. Cheers. Hi, Art. Thank you for coming on the show today. Hello, Shay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I was listening to your track, Aveline, uh, and got a bit interested uh actually a lot interested about your background uh so i i looked into it you you're a very well-rounded person a very well-rounded person i want to talk about your music today as well as uh other things that you're doing in the community and outside the community and just overall you're a busy man <laughs> yeah life is uh pretty full so you know the pandemic hasn't really slowed things down. You know, the first lockdown did, but even then I stayed busy and got creative and wrote a lot of songs. Uh, yeah, but life is very full. And so what is your background? Like, how did you happen upon becoming a musician and working in the music industry? Well, it started when I was born. I was born into a musical family. Like I had uh, uncles who played and sang. My grandpa sang on the drum, so he played traditional music. I had an older uncle who was a fiddler. So all my first cousins there, his his uh, sons were all musicians. So a lot of live music, like living room jam sessions. Uh, I was the kid who was enthralled by that, who laying on his belly with his resting his face up on his palms there um, <laughs> that was the one that, that was just absolutely moved by the music and I couldn't wait until I was old enough to try that myself so I did and what was the first <laughs> instrument you, you picked up well guitar guitar and the guy who was teaching me said I was a natural. There was a couple of guys. One was an uncle and another was just a, like a neighbor who was a real natural entertainer. He used he used a mixture of music and comedy and he made everybody laugh. So he was a, a hit at the res parties when I was a kid. Uh -huh. And he was one of my first guitar teachers. Very informal. You kind of just hear, hear, you put your fingers like this and da, 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 and then uh, that was it. That was the lesson. Then the rest was just practice. So, yeah, guitar followed by harmonica. And those are still my main instruments now. A harmonica is your main instrument or guitar? Both. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Um, that's And the... So you, from what you are explaining about your musical background, you did learn mostly by ear? 
No, I use my fingers. The ears don't work very well. <laughs> you got me there, hon. <laughs> no, I, I, I was using, you know, like oral oral methods. It was not theory. Nobody, they, I mean, they, they named the chords and that was it. There was yeah. no theory at all involved. So yeah. it was uh, to watch and then learn hands-on. That was our approach. Okay, so it's part of you. That's awesome. And when was the, what day did you, at what age did you write your first song? Oh, well, I was kind of writing songs in my head in like grade three, but I never wrote them down. But that's what I was doing. I'd be walking along humming tunes and coming up with lyrics. I didn't even, I wasn't trying to write songs. It just kind of happened. I'd hear something I liked and I'd get inspired by it. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, it came out again when I was maybe 19 years old. I, I got back into this and this time I started writing things down and then realized that, you know, not everyone can do this. I see a lot of really good musicians doing cover songs. They're far better than me. But I realized, you know, maybe my gift is actually more along the lines of songwriting because there you get to be a storyteller and I'm a storyteller. And then I, you know, I'm not much of a poet, but I love beautiful poetry. And it was a chance Mm -hmm. to to at least pretend that I was a storytelling poet. And then since I was coming up with melodies, Mm -hmm. I could just put the melodies and lyrics together and boom, I'm a songwriter. And then I can, write about um, the things that move me, the things that I know, the things that I've witnessed, because I would not write about anything I did not know about. I would not write a song about football or Nashville or Memphis, because it's not my reality. (laughs) So I I only write about what I can uh, talk about with a little bit of a life experience. Well, that comes out in your music. And Honestly, and there's very few of them out there right now. Uh, you're an incredible lyricist. I was listening to Aveline, uh, two uh, two uh, lines really stood out for me. The oh, yeah. spark that ble- I was the spark that blew up her propane, and my blistered hands keep dragging. Keep digging my own grave. Keep digging my own grave. I was like, holy Hannah, that's amazing. Like, you're very gifted. You're very gifted. Yeah. Well, I guess when you're writing songs, um, you either seen something in someone else or you experienced it yourself. In this case, it, it's all a little, a little bit of both. The song is really about a guy who still has some regrets about how he might have treated somebody how he mm-hmm. might have got mistreated by somebody but at the same time he's uh he's learned a little bit from life and in the end he realizes he was just as messed up as the woman he's he thought victimized him so yeah it's a song about fatal attraction and getting older and looking back on life and it's also about growing up it's an incredible song and the video uh, is very good. It, it shows the spirit of a woman. It's, it's incredible uh, the way the uh, videographer captured that spirit. At the end of the video, there's a, a, a cleansing ceremony. Am I yeah, correct? Yeah, she, she's uh, smudging. 
in, in the video. Smudging, like I, that's I, the term. Yeah. I should know that. Okay. Yeah. Well, in the video, uh, in the story, the man is thinking about her and he actually has not seen her and since she was, since they were young. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, and he actually doesn't even know if she's still alive. He doesn't even know uh, where she is or if she's alive. So he's just imagining her the way that he remembers her and the way that he wishes she was. And maybe she is that way. He just doesn't know. So maybe she found a better path than the one she was on. And he's kind of hoping that she has. That's what that was supposed to represent. And is the song about somebody that you were involved with? Oh, God, there's been too many I've been involved with. It's probably a little bits of uh, bits and pieces from different relationships in the past, and not just my own. Uh, the kind that I saw that were typical to those of us who took who chose a little harder path in our younger days of uh, maybe a little heavier on the drinking and the drug side. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's an incredible track, and we're going to listen to it now. So, listeners, Abilene. She came west from Montreal to make it quick back in the fall. She was everybody's tattooed Pocahontas. But loving a casino queen can get kind of lonely and turn obscene. Talking about the dreams that can haunt us I was a boy about 18 Playing bad covers in a one-star scene When Aveline first saved me from a fight She slipped down from a big brass bowl And tried to fill my fishing hole With desperate tales that she could tell all night
back their screams Aveline, oh Aveline I'm still crawling on the floor My broken heart still scratches at your door I don't know what for I don't know what I really love the uh, addition of trumpets in the song. Yeah, that, I was uh, I was going to go for something else, and my producer and my bass player thought, "Hey, how about trumpets?" And they were right. I'm glad I listened to them. Yeah, it, it was an amazing uh, addition. I loved it. And the in the video, there's two men beside the trumpeter. Are, are they makeshift trumpets or were they just having fun? They don't have trumpets. One is one is Aveline. It's just uh, the woman who played Aveline, that's her in there. And the other guy's myself wearing a blue wig. Okay. We were just ha- we were just having fun and we didn't have a we didn't I- have more than the one trumpet that was supplied, so we just picked up some plumbing tubes and used those. I loved it. It was an introduction of humor. I didn't catch yeah, that. I didn't catch that ex- it. it was you and, and the lady in the video. That was exactly what it was meant to be. Is just a little bit of lightness, a little and, bit of playfulness. And the lady in the video, is she a professional actor? She's never acted that I know of, but she does modeling. I can see that. She did very well in the video. And the... um. There's a little woman on drums, too, and uh, she was hired as a makeup artist for us. And uh, we found out she was a drummer, so we asked her to sit in on the video, too. So that the makeup artist is on drums. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Anybody else that was involved with the production that you would like to talk about? Well, just the young videographer. His name is Luke Connor. He works. He's actually a kind of the backup cameraman on um, Moose Meat and Marmalade, my food show. That's a good segue into the show. We're going to talk yeah. about that. And then okay. I found out that he uh, he does music videos locally here. So because I work with him and I liked him, I decided to uh, work with him. Yeah, it's good. It's good. He it, he's very talented, and so let's talk about your show. It's very interesting. Um, how did you possibly connect with somebody in the UK? Well, he he had just moved to Victoria when we connected, and he ah. was, I was working on another show, a children's show on APTN, okay. AP, Aboriginal People's Television Network for the. Still, 60% of Canadians who don't know what that is. Be ashamed, okay? Okay. Are you uh, still part of that network doing a child a children's show? No, but that's still that's the network that that um they are the broadcaster for moose meat and marmalade. So I'm I'm still working f- for them indirectly. 
Okay, cool. All right. So let's talk about the show. So you met Dan Hayes. He's from the United Kingdom, but he is in Victoria, where you are. Yeah, he he was new to Victoria. He married a Canadian woman. And I was on a, working on a kid's show. And there we had a set in Victoria because there was like puppets and all that involved. And I was playing the dad of these children who were the main stars of the show. Dan was the caterer. And his catering company's right downtown Victoria. It's, a, it's actually a cooking school called the London Chef, which is now all online. He's gone. He's doing master classes online now. So I was introduced to him when he was our caterer, and I had this concept. And then I brought in an experienced producer. I had uh, my friend with me who eventually became my co-producer. And uh, they, they looked at it and said, you know, this, this looks good, but we think you need a co-host. And it should be a, someone from another culture. So we, Dan and I met and we hit it off. And then they taped us doing a pretty much an unplanned uh, test, a, a test on camera to check out our chemistry. And that test turned into a four-minute demo. It got shopped around and a lot of networks were interested in it. But APTN mm-hmm. were the only ones to, willing to put money behind it. So... We went with APTN, and uh, after that first season, they took a they took time off. Instead of funding second season, which we had applied for, they backed off, and uh, I think they wanted to see how it was received. The first season was received. I do believe they got a overwhelmed with positive feedback, and a lot of emails went in, and so. After that break, they uh, they allowed us to proceed with season two, and we've been in their good graces ever since. And we are now we have just finished shooting season six. Oh wow! And season seven has all has already been approved, so we'll be filming season seven uh, starting in February. That's incredible. Way to it's go! It's in several countries around the world. That's what a lot of Canadians would not even know. Um, and again, I think. People just don't take time to learn about Indigenous things in this country. They don't spend enough time doing that. They can put on an orange T-shirt because they feel guilty, and that's about the extent of it for a lot of people. But do check out APTN. And, yeah, Moose Meat and Marmalade is in uh, French-speaking Europe, so that's a lot of countries. They're in uh, uh, quite a few French-speaking countries on the continent of Africa. And it's even broadcast in the Turkish language in other parts of the world. And it's, yeah, it's it's broadcast in Cree as well. So it hits about oh, three it other languages. It is. Yeah. And you, you um, I, before I go on, I just want to acknowledge, I, I do agree with you that um, Canada needs to properly recognize the Indigenous and get more, uh, more knowledge and more involved. So what type of show, like what type of meals uh, and uh, I guess culinary devices. Uh, do you and Dan um, demonstrate on the show? Like, is it barbecue oriented? Is it quick home style no, cooking? He, he's supposed to be the guy who represents proper. He's a proper trained chef, classically trained chef. So he's quite familiar with world foods and French styles. 
And I'm the guy who's the bushman. So obviously I represent uh, the, more of the outdoor cooking, cooking on open flames mm-hmm. uh, and cooking wild game and forage stuff. So it's supposed to be a, a clash of cultures and we end up learning from each other. But uh, we're also a bit of the odd couple. So there's a lot of humor in there. Yeah, it was very interesting. I look forward to watching it because I definitely will. So you mentioned that some of the program, and I'm assuming the children's program as well, is in Cree. And uh, you teach Cree, do you not? Yeah, I teach Cree to um, urbanites, even in the city of Victoria. Sometimes uh, once in a while when I go home to the res, I'll end up uh, doing the odd workshop there. But I don't like to. I like to spend time with uh, my family there where we're just using Cree so it uh, you can get out of practice if you're if you speak any language and you're not using it when you're away from that language uh, you mm-hmm. get rusty and you start to forget words no so I being I around it, 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 it when I go home to the res it's a refresher for me but when I'm here in the city there's a there's a significant population of uh, Cree. Uh, people, urban Crees living in the city of Victoria as well yeah. as Vancouver. And mm-hmm. so I'm their, I guess, probably their head, kind of like their head instructor slash mentor. And mm-hmm. we have get togethers and then we invite other people who want, or are interested in the language as well. So it's, it's just a lot of fun. Is it a hard language to learn? Well, I don't think so, but I wouldn't know because I've been speaking it since childhood. <laughs> you know, in terms of in terms of difficulty, that's all. If uh... I, I would say it's harder for people who only know English because um, it's a different worldview and our, the structure of the language is almost the opposite of English. It's a it's a jigsaw conjugated language, and it's very verb based. And you, you put together words, and if you take that word apart, like you take the suffix and prefix and move things around, it becomes, you could use, uh, yeah, it just, you have to jigsaw words together. So we end up with some uh, terms that you don't actually have an explanation for in English. You'd have to spend a sentence to describe it. Yeah. But with us, it's just one word. So we so- have different concepts from English. I think some of them are pretty profound and interesting. Yeah, that's true. And is it, do you have French, uh, feminine and masculine like you do in French? Uh, only in certain cases. When you're speaking generally, there is, we don't differentiate between he, we don't have word for he or she. It's one word for okay. anyone. What we have that's very different is animate, inanimate, which does not, ex- doesn't exist uh, in English. You have to refer to something as animate or inanimate. And so I have no way of calling like a bear or even a bug a thing. I have to refer to them as I would the same way that I would refer to a human. And it it goes back to our uh, recognition of uh, all kinds of things are alive in this natural world. So the learning of the Cree language is in part also learning about indigenous practices and spirituality and stuff? Well, I'd say you can learn the language without learning the deep 
the deep rootedness of all of that, but I'd mm-hmm. say um, you're missing the whole beauty of it unless you are looking at the original meanings, the epistemology of words, the etymology of words, mm-hmm. the whole history and background and uh, nuanced meanings and the hidden meanings. If you study it from that perspective, you're going to see how beautiful and profound it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. you busy as a keynote speaker. Can you talk a teeny bit about that? Well, uh, I guess the most interesting thing about my life is uh, pre-pandemic, I've probably spent a th- been spending a third of my life on the road between filming for long stretches of time and then and doing uh, the odd musical gig, the traveling for board meetings, because I sit on a number of boards. I mm-hmm. uh, Sometimes I go, I travel for arts, juries and whatnot. And then uh, the, add the keynotes onto that. I'm on the road a lot. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think um, anyone would ever want to be married to me. Uh, <laughs> so you're not married? No, I am a single dad. And so, but I have a, a working relationship of co-parenting with their mother that allows me to be on the road um if she has to go to conferences we have a first right of refusal so we we trade each other off so that's the only way that i'm able to accomplish being on the road so much of my life about a third of my life is on the road wow that's amazing there was a, there was a time in my life when it was more music than than uh than other showbiz but now it's TV first, followed by everything else after. And did you, was that a personal choice or did you, it evolve uh, that way? It evolved that way. I'm not going to, you know, I, I, I'm obviously love TV enough to keep pursuing it. And this show has a life of its own. I don't want to do it forever. I don't want to be like getting too old to chase moose over a mountain and stuff like that. <laughs> The English guy has to wait for me. Oh, oh, catch up, you old man. I don't want to see any of that. And I don't want to also wear out or welcome with our fans. It'd yeah. be nice to be nice to get out when the when the going's good yeah. at some point. And so that yeah. I can uh, I pursue you. other things. Uh, so what do we have uh, to look forward to in the future from you? Well, I'll probably do a follow-up single. I've already uh, got it recorded and I've got some graphic art. I, I just need to work on a li- uh, lyric video and uh, get a hold of my publicist and probably do a, a follow-up single to Abilene. Uh, so that's something that might happen as early as January, maybe February. And then, like I say, we'll be filming season two beginning February. And so... There's a lot of research that goes into and a lot of logistical planning that goes into each episode. So as a as a co-producer on the show, I'm involved with that. The, my co-host gets to go home and uh, go work on his uh, cooking school. But uh, my work, when we're done filming, continues into post-production and uh-huh. then pre-production and planning. The work never ends. And they are talking, just so if listeners have just tuned in or if they want to hear it again, is the Moose Meat and Marmalade show at moosemeatmarmalade.com, right? I think that's our website, something like that. I, I yeah, don't, it is. I don't have a TV. <laughs> I do have a beat-up laptop that's covered with duct tape, and I refer to this as my email machine. 
<laughs> and my cell phone is my texting machine. There you uh, go. Yeah, I got that. Actually, I, 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 we're a lot like in terms of TV. I haven't watched TV in, I think now of uh, 17 years. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't have TV. I, I create when I have extra time. I don't, I don't, I don't want that energy getting into me, so to speak. So uh, where's the best place for people to find you? Uh, do you, are you busier on Instagram or on uh, Twitter? Uh, I, I'm on Twitter. I don't, I don't go there very often, but I will post a link every once in a while or retweet somebody just out of obligation. Um, I'm more on Twitter and Facebook and, um, I, I think I have link trees posted to all of that. So you could find me on YouTube as well. So, um, so all, all my music, including previous albums are on all of the major streaming outlets from Spotify to Apple music. So I'm, I'm not too hard to find. There are not too many art Napoleons in the world. I'm easy to Google. <laughs> yeah. They definitely are. So thank you very much for coming on the broadcast. It's It was incredible to get to know you better. You're very welcome. Thank you for uh, playing Aveline. That's a great tune. Great tune. It's all about good music. Right on. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning into the show. Sponsored by The Buzzer Media. Thank you to the artists who share their music. Our shows wouldn't happen without their music. Subscribe at thebuzzerpod.com. Fans and artists can submit their request to Shay at thebuzzroll.com. Until next time, cheers.